From Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com, it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm staring at the stars, Mars, and the moon. Trying to get a signal and it's not yet going through. I'm staring at the stars, the moon, and the brain. Wondering where it's going and if I can get away. I'm staring at the stars, I see one broke from the sky. It's the week of August 19th, 2011, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in Orlando Studios is the very lovely Teresa Dobrich, who just brought me drinks. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Maya Strang. Hi. Josh Lewin Loveless. Hey, people. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. We have a great podcast lined up for you today. Um, We actually do. Uh, coming up later, uh, we talked to indie uh, folk artist Gregory Allen Isaacoff, who, uh, when I was at the record store mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, yeah. I always need a recommendation, called, called Chad randomly. I was driving to Atlanta, it was like 11 o'clock, and I was like, why is Cameron calling me on a Friday night? <laughs> it's an emergency, turn so around, turn around. <laughs> I picked hey, it up. Uh, the text is 911. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just, all he said was, I'm at a record store, what do I need to get? Yeah. And he I said, told him. Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Yeah, and it was great. It's great. It's good stuff. Uh, also coming up, uh, we talked to Tyler Ward of Project AK Forty Seven. You may know him as the host of Top Shot on the History Network. Mm. I don't know him from that, but no, I'm joking. Great, oh. great show. <laughs> I was at Project AK Forty Seven. I assumed he was part of that gun show. Oh, oh I was going to say, really, a dude from that show? Because that show is awesome. <laughs> that show is awesome. It is. They have like little tiny spinning targets, like out in a field, and guys like two miles away two shoot miles. them like blindfolded, two riding miles. a bicycle. Or <laughs> <laughs> or 75 feet, you know, on a platform. They, One or the other. The commercial has them shooting th- through the middle of a CD. But what you didn't see is that they were actually standing four inches away from Still. it. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Still amazing. It's awesome. The barrel of the and, gun. And they is... used the slowest mo-cams ever. Yeah. Slowest mo-cams. <laughs> you just coined a new term, friend. Well, the cameras that have an extremely high frame rate. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, otherwise known as the slowest Slow mo-cams. No, the, only, the only cameras that rival it are the ones they use on Shark Week when they catch the sharks getting like the sweetest air yeah. and you see like every little air. ripple in their flesh when they're jumping out of the water. <laughs> Oh boy! You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course I know what you're talking about. But the thing is, they they always there's toying with the sharks. I, I think I said this last year. All that's all Shark Week is now. They, we know everything there is to know. They've been doing Shark Week for for 20 years now. There's no mystery left. Like yeah. all the research is done. Now it's let's try to trick sharks into getting sweet air. That's all it is anymore. <laughs> and they slowly. And the other major change, if you watch Shark 20 Shark Week, like when it first started, it was just people like diving in cages. Now, the only barrier between the people doing the show and the shark are their fists. They literally just punch them in the face. Are you serious? I didn't see that one. <laughs> I, I've seen one where a guy is sitting, <laughs> he's sitting down there at the bottom, right? Uh-huh. And literally when sharks come, he just punches them right in the nose. <laughs> they deserve <laughs> Not it. Great sharks. <laughs> not, not great whites. Not great whites, but shark. But I will say this, sharks that if I was in the water with, I would not want to be without a cage. I would r- want to have more than my fist. Right. Right. I think that's all sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
before all of that, coming up later, we got your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, August 23rd. Z.I.V. is coming out with Ghost Bird, which sounds terrifying, hmm. by the way. She's a very lovely person, so it probably won't be. I know. It's like, it's sweet, you know, folky, acoustic islandy kind of music. Ghost bird in a world <laughs> where birds are ghosts. Um, yeah, uh, I saw her. I saw her perform Beachside, where she was sitting on a stool, a bar stool, Indian style, with her ukulele. It's hard to do. Yeah, with her ukulele and sang all her songs. It was really you can nice. Fall right off, Hamaya. Huh, you can. Yeah, that sounds a little dangerous. What beach so. were you at with her? <laughs> uh, it was on that. Uh, Summit Cruise thing. Ah. Yeah. She was one of the bands. Gotcha. The house band was The Roots, and on the beach day, ZIV was playing Oceanside. Not a bad afternoon. Pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, she's also uh, featured in the September issue of Relevant. Nice little article. Uh, Active Child is coming out with You Are All I See. I don't know why I said that like I'm a second grade reader. <laughs> Are there periods between yeah. you all? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. It's a highly punctuated album title. <laughs> uh, Aaron Schust with This Is What I Believe. Perfect. <laughs> well done. Uh, Lil Wayne with The Carter Four, finally. I think we're the only, I don't know, media company, news agency, mm-hmm. great podcast that brings Aaron Schust and Lil Wayne together. <laughs> Where else? I mean, for those That's of you, true. for the first time listeners, um, I, you know, I, if you're trying to figure out what is this podcast all about. Hey, we're still trying to figure that we're out. We're the only news source that's going to bring Lil Wayne and Aaron Shoes together. Yeah, prepare for a lot more questions than a, just our In music. a way, it just felt like Aaron opened for Lil Wayne. Just <laughs> even in how you said it. It just... With the know. ukulele on yeah, the beach? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole thing, I'm just picturing this great experience of the two of them. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's, it's, the irony is one time I saw Little Wayne performing with a ukulele on a bar stool at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> totally. He's also very petite. Yeah. That same day, uh, there was like, after Zavi, which was very mellow and chill, they had a DJ spinning, and Pitbull got up with the DJ and started doing like freestyle, like working the crowd, you know, hype stuff. Now, was he just a guest, happened to be a guest on the mm-hmm. cruise, or mm-hmm. was he an artist? No. That? Well, he is an artist, but it was also attending. You know, like so, but he so he wasn't scheduled to hype the crowd. It, you yeah. every time you describe this cruise, it sounds like the dream that you want to have. Like in in the middle of the night, you know how before you go to bed, sometimes you like you you try to force yourself. You're like, okay, I want to dream. That I'm gonna win a football game. Win. What? No, nobody else. Mm. Okay, I I don't dream. You don't? I I literally vaguely that, remember that's the saddest thing one I've ever heard. thing <laughs> once. Yeah. It's gonna. Jesse's gonna cry right now. Okay, so I'm having dinner with my parents. <laughs> Wait, you dreamed about hold that? On, hold on, hold on, here we go. No, this is real this, life. This is real life. This is how real it gets. So <laughs> I had I had lunch with my dad last week, and everything's normal. Then a couple of days later, we're having dinner for my mom's birthday, and my dad has this massive bandage on his forehead. <laughs> massive. And I didn't know he's at that age. I don't know if he's getting like a, something removed or like. Do you ask about things like this or, or do you, sunspots? Do you not say anything? Well, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I didn't okay. want to embarrass him at a big family dinner. Or you're, you know. you're the son that doesn't or, care. Yeah. That's how that can <laughs> no. be interpreted. Right. Right. You know, whatever. He, so he's gone to those lengths to get your attention. Right. <laughs> so there's a big bandage, and uh, and so later in the. Uh, you know, dinner. My mom mentions how tired she was because she needed more coffee because she'd been up since five o'clock that morning. Because my dad woke her up. I was like, "What? What? I mean, 
I know my parents, like, get up, they, you know, they read their Bible, they've always done that, and, and it's like, you know, I, I never got the early morning thing, right? but 5 a.m. sounds a little, you know, I'm like, really? Yeah. I was like, well, why are you up at 5? And she goes, well, is that loud crash? And she kind of looks at him. So what happened was, my dad was having a vivid dream. Oh, my gosh. He was dreaming that the terrorists were after him, <laughs> and he had to do a drop and roll. And like, then, like Jack Bauer. He yes. dropped and rolled out of the bed, bangs his head on a glass table at 5 a.m. because he dropped and rolled in the dream right off the bed. And it's not Amazing. the first time he's done that. He, my, my mom was teasing that she's going to have to put those like rails on the side of the bed. So, cause, oh. <laughs> That's amazing. So we're just like, we're like, what? You know, and he's like, well, I'm a very vivid dreamer and stuff. And I'm, I was like, I haven't had it. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. Like, I don't dream at night. I don't, I'm not dropping and rolling from terrace. I mean, you wake up exhausted. Right. I, would think. I, I yeah. may, I may have told this story before. I, I've never fallen off the bed except for one time. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I was on a, on a, on a campus visit. Well, I was like a junior in high school, I think. And some of my friends were like, I had like two friends that were going to like this bi- this little tiny Bible school up in New York. So I went on the campus visit with them or, or I went to visit them or something. I can't remember. All I know is I, you know, it was one of those things where you stay in like the dorm, you know, and because it was like a Bible school, all, all the students are very friendly to the, to the people visiting. Because it's a Bible school. Yeah. Well, I assume, uh, <laughs> You know, that has something to do with it. So the guy, like, was insistent, like, hey, man, take the top bunk. You can take my bed, you know? Like, he was very insistent on it. And and so I was like, all right, that's cool. So he he was sleeping on the floor, oh. uh, just, just uh, you know, on the, the, on the other side of the bed. The last In the first. middle of the night, mm-hmm. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if I was dreaming. All I know is I woke up in midair. <laughs> I woke up totally in midair and like I remember the thought was like uh oh you know what I mean like it, it's weird how it's like it was like it went to like bullet time like matrix mode you know and the next thing I hear is I land, I land square face to face it wasn't like I was able to pull like a cat roll or something in the air and like reposition it was just straight up like you know Face to face, just nailed him. Okay, he he just goes, I get up and I don't know what to do, so I'm just like, sorry about that, and just got back in the bed, went to sleep. I never on the next morning, I've never seen him again. Never saw him again. Did, did you go to this school? No, no, I never returned. Okay. I left the next day. I mean, I was planning on leaving the next day. Sorry about that. that. Didn't wow. I mean, what do you say at that point? It's like four and four. I remember. I remember for two days after, my arm kind of hurt. So I, you know, I'm sure that guy tells this story pretty frequently. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear it from his perspective. Yeah, I can only hope he's yeah. a listener. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Wow. <laughs> yeah. If he, if, if the, the 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 off chance that he ever finds out about this podcast, I want to, and he hears this, I want to extend my apology because I, I, other than saying I'm sorry about that, I never formally apologized. <laughs> and we were both in a in a slumber haze at that point. <laughs> 
So I can relate to your dad. At so that point, is it to say I can relate to your dad? And I don't think it's funny. Uh, uh, <laughs> nice. The thing that I don't get is he had the conscious realization <laughs> that he, the terrorists were after him. He had to drop and roll, do evasive action. Uh, but here's the thing. God God forbid that terrorists ever do try to come after your father. If he if they come after him and he's sleeping, they're not gonna get him because he's like he's literally that highly trained. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he can evade them in his sleep, literally. <laughs> like like a cat. That's that's true. He he got like twelve stitches yeah, or something. Like there was blood. Twelve stitches? Yeah, there's yeah. like blood all over the room. That's why my mom had to get up at five AM. She had to like suture his wounds shut. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't believe your story, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Like it was pretty high air. Midair. How terrifying for you. That split second when you're like, I'm in midair. But, but I can remember thinking, like, he's breaking. The worst part was, I would rather just hit the flat floor and just deal with the pain. Right. Not land on, on a dude guy. I don't even know. Nothing worse than falling on top of boxers. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I think he was wearing covers, but I'll be honest, it's all a little hazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just got to come back in bed. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> There's nothing you can do, you know? Let the guy catch his breath. You know, obviously he got the wind knocked out of him. And go to sleep. And like I said, I, he was gone when I woke up. <laughs> so he didn't even have the, the awkward morning after. He just wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and he was very nice and, and insisted. He literally insisted because I was like, "Nah, dude, I don't want to take your bed. I'll sleep on the floor." He never yeah. let anybody sleep, come and ever experience the door with him again. Ever, ever again. And I've that. never fallen off a bed in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, how did we talk? Little Wayne got us on that somehow. All right. Okay. Uh, And last last, uh, but not least, uh, the physical version of Jay Z and Kanye West Watch the Throne. Um, Movies coming out on Friday, August 26th Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, starring Guy Pierce and Katie Holmes. Looks horrible. Does it? Yeah. Well, it has Katie Holmes in it. Oh, that's a bad (laughs) turn. The guy, the guy. Uh, I think it's when you like Jesse stay in his room is afraid of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that guy doesn't sleep anymore. He, his life started a downward spiral that night. <laughs> he quit seminary immediately. Yeah, he dropped out of seminary. It is just like some crazy insomniac now. <laughs> Never sleeps. That has panic attacks every time. He, every time he, he starts to doze, he wakes up with like night terrors. Jolts himself awake. That's true. Um, our Idiot Brother, starring Paul Rudd, uh, Zoe Deschanel, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Banks. Uh, Higher Ground, starring Vera Formiga. She's it's also a, it's, in the magazine. It's, uh, she's in the magazine. It's an independent film. Mm-hmm. Did kind of the festival thing. Um, it's, uh, she talks, it's fascinating. She talks about it in the magazine. Uh, it's a story that actually portrays Christians in a positive way. And she's actually a believer, and she funded this thing. She's a producer. She stars in it. I mean... It's kind of a labor of love for it. It's a really interesting uh, film. She talked to us about it. Cool. Uh, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices.
You're listening to The Hawk in Paris. The song is Put Your Arms Around Me. It's from their upcoming EP called His and Hers. Uh, the song is playing right now on Relevant.fm. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Flynn Adam with the song Something Better. Uh, the song's playing on Relevant FM. The video's on Relevant TV. And longtime podcast listeners remember Flynn, not only as a member of LA Symphony and then illustrious producer and hip-hop artist in his own right. He was also the producer of this podcast. He was the years. ones and twos for a while. He was the original ones and twos. Wow. So much out. to live up to. Wow, Chad. I had no idea when's that there was such history out? in that. Yeah, when's uh, your hip-hop album coming out, Chad? A couple, couple years. <laughs> <laughs> a couple years. Um, all right, so it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, this this uh, slice I found very amusing. Uh, Abercrombie & Fitch, the clothing store, has announced that it is planning to offer, this is a quote, a substantial payment to the cast of MTV's Jersey Shore. But the reason for the payment is that they the cast members stop wearing their brand. They are going to pay the cast to never wear their, their clothes on there. This is a quote, and I love how they phrase this. We are deeply concerned because if you've watched, if I say if, I'm assuming everyone is watching uh, <laughs> the latest season of Jersey Shore, the, the sitch is rocking some Abercrombie sweats 24 uh, 7 on there. Okay. So his name is Mike they're, Sorrento. They're so they say, we are deeply concerned that, uh, that, my, that Mr. Sorrento's association with our brand could cause significant damage to our image. We understand that the show is for entertainment purposes, but believe this association is contrary to the aspirational nature of our brand and may be distressing to many of our fans. We have also extended this offer to other members of the cast and are urgently waiting a response. <laughs> wow. Does it yeah. say how much they're going to pay? And it, it just said it's a substantial payment, but how morally reprehensible does a show have to be for a, a brand that has made its its image selling catalogs of basically naked college students have to be right. for them to pay you, not for that, not to have any association with them? I don't right. think they care about the moral thing. I think it's because they're such a slimy brand, and I mean the the show in and of itself. They don't want their aspirational but, brand to be associated with... But that with, apparently is who wears their clothes and they just need to accept but, that. But but that... Who actually buys opinion. your product is doesn't matter if That's you're talking about branding and positioning. They are positioning themselves as an aspirational brand. That's why they're super expensive, why they have crazy models working in the store and stuff like... You know, they're aware that it's actually seventh graders buying it and... I don't know. But I think seventh graders give their brand a bad rap when they wear it. I mean, it's like, I mean, obviously this is the the face of, of pop culture right now on Jersey Shore for some people, so they want to attack it. But um, I don't know. When I think of Abercrombie and Fitch, I think they have bigger brand issues right. than the situation. <laughs> That's why I think it's funny that they're, they're actually right. making a deal about it. Because to me, I kind of felt like they gave up on... Their brand positioning a decade I mean, they ago. Were, right. Yeah, they, exactly. were, they were cool in the late 90s. Late 90s, it was all about college students. And then yeah. high and then, school students want to be college students, so they copied and went high school. And then middle school students want to be high school students, so they copied. And now Abercrombie is full of middle school kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I know they're going to at least lose the <clears throat> Halloween costume uh, demographic who are planning on dressing up like the situation <laughs> with those green Abercrombie suits. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm pretty sure for the last three years, the situation probably has been either number two or three Halloween costume right behind like Lady Gaga and like the Joker, you know, <laughs> or that the mask or that, that thing from Scream. 
Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Jim Carrey movie. Yes. <laughs> still, was like the mask. Still popular. <laughs> very, still very popular. Especially in the South. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what do you have, Maya? That was my slice. Oh. What do you <laughs> have, Wait, wait. I have, I have some follow-up slices I can give you guys. About our, she didn't uh, have any uh, last week, and this week she's I got know. like three or four. I know, and Chad actually well sent played. me a slice just to me, no one else. And just, I was like, "What? You think awesome. I'm not going to be prepared? <laughs> just back up. Come on, just being helpful." <laughs> to be fair, though, by you should know that my Google alerts would just have already sent me the Jersey Shore one. Right, that, that makes sense. <laughs> well, actually, did you guys see uh, the new tobacco warnings for uh, from the? USDA. Or is this a trick question? Because if we have, then maybe we've bought right. tobacco. Well, they're not on there yet. Oh, they're, okay. they're going to well, be. Well, then no. I, I think not. they're very graphic, aren't they? They are. They show a dead guy who has been sewed up. They show healthy lungs and then lungs that have tobacco. And then are they show serious? the teeth. Um, and they, the US, is it USDA? No. Whatever they're called. They've passed this and all these images are amazing. The majority of the um, you're lying. They have no, to be that big on the front. That's that's what they're tr- that's what they've passed. Look, they have a guy with the smoke coming out of the hole in his trachea. But of course, all of the 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 tobacco people are trying to um, sue them and make them not have to do this and saying that but it's going to cost them more money because it you know the printing's bigger and it's got to be multicolored. I think I think <laughs> we have to we have to figure out a branding for this podcast that that demonstrates visually what terrible things can happen to you if you listen. Before you download, before you hit play, right. this is possible. It's right. kind of like like Jesse in midair with like a guy laying on yes, the ground. Yes, yes. Something terrifying. <laughs> yeah, you're happen. waking up in the night knowing, yeah. I'm about to knock the wind out of a, semina- a sleeping <laughs> seminary student. <laughs> Those images are amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, but my follow-up slices are having to do with our Boy Scout... Uh, rant by Jesse Carey last week. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I got a little I got a little heat on that. Did you? <laughs> I think you know. I, you, I think you it's had a funny. Few, you had a few eight year olds email <laughs> you and uh, hit you up on Twitter. No, I mean I just saw people like post like, "Hey, you know, Eagle Scout for life," and uh, you know, <laughs> with the gang sign. Yeah. Yes, ESFL. <laughs> yeah, watch your back. No, no, no. Just and then someone someone posted a link to like a story like last week about a, a kid that got lost in the woods. That uses Boy Scout skills to make like a, a tree fort and survive. <laughs> or Jesse, something. quit stealing my slices. Seriously, yeah, I'm sorry. that's good, Jesse. What was the slice, Maya? You're on a oh, roll. Two You're in a row. row. You're on a roll. That's good. Now you're making me unprepared. Wow, Maya, where are all your slices? Oh, What's, I know. What is this story? There was a Boy Scout. Thank you. There's a 12 year old Boy Scout who got lost in the Utah forest. I thought Boy Scouts could, didn't get lost. I was good. That's what sucks. I was going to say. Like, if he's such a good Boy Scout, why did he lost? He sucks. <laughs> he got lost out. during a wilderness outing, um, but he knew exactly what to do. He built himself a shelter out of uh, tree branches and wood and covered himself in dirt to stay warm. There's, this is the Scoutmaster's idea all along. He like loses kids on purpose just to test their skills. Right, well, it's, right. it's natural and the selection. Scout bear grills. Yes, it's natural selection. If they can't cut it, then they, they should die. Live. And they, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and he was found the next day alive after two hundred people went searching for him in the woods. But I just, you know, he used his skills. But he was twelve, so he he's, stayed in it, in it long enough to learn some skills. He's built a log cabin. He has like a refrigerator, <laughs> yeah. like stocked with food. He's like, no, I'm good. He's got I'm animals. Good. He's I'm like, good. no, I don't want to go back. I'm yeah. fine. No, I like my clubhouse. Yeah. This is good. yeah. And the other one was just that a local Boy Scout troop got uh, burglarized here in the Orlando area, and I just thought maybe Jesse did it. What was stolen? 
Yeah, what um, was stolen? I guarantee you no pocket knives. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you nothing cool. A refrigerator, a stove, and three tables and various tools were taken. Okay, wh- if you're in the Boy Scouts, why do you need a refrigerator or a stove? Because all the Boy Scouts meetings are is snack time. Yeah. And thank you. And they, <laughs> and they need the table for their knot tying exercises. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> if, you, if, you guys, uh, if you guys had to say whether you were an agreeable or disagreeable employee, which would you say that you I'm are? I'm very agreeable. <laughs> okay, everyone laughed. I, I was going to keep a straight face no matter what he answered because he's the boss, but you guys laughed. So... Uh, Chad, are you agreeable or disagreeable? I'd say pretty agreeable. Agreeable? Yeah. Maya? Yeah, I'm a little... You sleep with the boss, so... <laughs> That's true. I don't know if that... <laughs> as as a, You're disagreeable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I would wow. say that. Wow. Wow. You think, do you think you are, though? This just got real. Yeah. She's just got real. With him, I am. Yeah, okay. right. That's right. A, you're strong-willed. You have opinions. Yeah. When you disagree about something, you're going to stand your ground, and I respect the heck out of that. Yeah. Probably because I know you won't fire me. That's true. All right, Jesse. Or you will be in big trouble. That would be a bad weekend. Which which one are you, Jesse? <laughs> I say I'm pretty agreeable. Okay. Well, there's been a research Josh, study done. I think I'm agreeable, but I can be disagreeable at times. Okay. I'm a mix, but no, I No, because you're don't... used to running the show. And so I'm just thinking yeah. about your previous, mm-hmm. before this era yeah. Yeah. of running your record label yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were disagreeable. You have your I vision. I think you guys are the same. Yes. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, I would you be the same. Exactly In that situation, I'd be disagreeable if I disagreed with. But I feel like I know how to submit. I don't. Yeah. I feel like that. <laughs> I, I avoid all situations where I would have to submit. <laughs> why, are you, why are you married? Why are you married? <laughs> <laughs> You want to go there? That's true. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll jump to the slice. Um, a study's been done. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> a study's been done for the last 20 years. Um, well, three different studies, actually, uh, that were ten, over 10,000 people have been interviewed, workers from a wide range of uh, employment fields. And, uh, and what they've discovered is um, that nice guys actually finish last. Right. Um, they've discovered that those who are most agreeable make less money mm-hmm. than those who are disagreeable. They found that uh, people who are disagreeable in the workplace make 18% more or mm. almost $10,000 more annually. Because hmm. so, they're not afraid of conflict. Like, I don't like conflict. So I would, you know, if I got a 5% raise or something right. and I really wanted 10%, sure. I would most likely probably be like once anything. Well, I think what's interesting in the Christian world is is you feel like to be, you know, a follower of Jesus there's that challenge of when do you be agreeable, when do you be disagreeable? When is it sin? When is it right? When is it wrong? When is it time to flip over tables in the temple and when is it time to turn the other <laughs> cheek? It's challenging, but in the workplace if you want to provide for uh for your family, stand up for yourself hmm. and uh be willing to be a little disagreeable. All right, well that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Listening to Gold Motel. The song is Safe in LA. Lies. It's not safe in LA. It just has just has flame. Um, it's playing right now on Relevant FM. Gregory Allen Isaacoff is an indie folk artist 
and has been described as being a strong, subtle, lyrical genius. Uh, if you like Nick Drake or Iron and Wine, you're going to like Gregory Allen Isakoff. Born in Johannesburg, South Africa, and raised in Philadelphia, he now lives in Colorado. He's released four albums, including his most recent, This Empty Northern Hemisphere. He's currently in the studio working on his next album. He's on tour now and will be throughout the fall. Elise Gilligan talked to him recently. Here is that interview. who aren't as familiar with you. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about how you started writing music and kind of came into this music career? I've always, you know, I've always wrote music um, since I was, I don't know, like 13 or something like that. But, you know, I never thought I would actually be doing it all the time now. I went, I went to school for horticulture, so, and I, I did, like, I managed to farm for a while out, in, out here in Colorado, um, just growing uh, food. But um, and I still do that sometimes uh, when I when I can. And I, music was something I always kind of thought of like like eating dinner or something, you know. Like I would do it every day, no matter what. You know, I played I played out. I started playing out, you know, in, in high school and stuff. And then when I moved to Colorado, I yeah, I mostly played in my kitchen and my bedroom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> and then I, I started putting out records out of my room on, on this little four track, and I I didn't know anyone was gonna hear them, so. <laughs> It's cool that they are out there now. A lot of your songs, and especially on uh, This Empty Northern Hemisphere, it kind of comes from this place of loneliness and emptiness in contrast to how vast life and the world can be, um, and maybe just feeling small in comparison. And yet, I'm sure you've realized, playing your songs live, that a lot of people find themselves in that same place. Um, so has writing these songs and then seeing them resonate been helpful in kind of confronting that feeling of being lonely? Yeah, I mean, I'm always I'm always blown away that that people connect to it as much as they have. Um, but I think it makes sense to me because I think we're all kind of going through a similar experience. At least I, I hope so. Sometimes I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it is it is really comforting in a way. I think my friend Nathan Moore has this record called "Sad Songs Make Me Happy," and I, I really like that. I think I think it's really true. Running there as she's our autumn queen Watch her smoking cigarettes on the street Down she goes 
what does your songwriting process look like? Do you tend to write words first and then music or vice versa? I mean, I write every day, you know, when I wake up. You know, like, so I'll wake up and, um, like, scribble for a couple hours or whatever. And then, you know, when I pick up my guitar, I think um, some of that makes it in there. But I think it's important as a writer to just, to just write as much as, as you can. Because sometimes you really don't feel like it. And, and it always seems to, something always seems to happen. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, even when you don't, even when you don't feel like it or you're not really inspired to or something will, will make it in there. But I think it happens at, at the same time for me. It's a lot of work, you know. I am, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Leonard Cohen. And for a long time, I just thought he, he's just got this unparalleled genius to him. And I, I couldn't figure it out is the wrong word, but I, I sort of felt like, uh, you know, the, kind of uh, put myself in his shoes in a way. And I'm like, well, you, you know, no one ever talks about Leonard Cohen's trash can, you know. <laughs> like, I think, I think you just have to work. Um, and, and eventually things will, will come. But I think it, it does take a lot of work. It's not, um, it's not as far away from, from, from everybody as, as they think, I think, you know. I suppose that he froze when the one took your clothes And I guess he just never got warm But you stand there so nice in your blizzard Please let me come into So, when can we expect another album from you? Well, I'm actually working on one right now. <laughs> I've been making it for since October or so of last year. And um, so, you know, I'm just sort of following where it wants to go and kind of working on it every day. And um, I, I, don't, I thought it would be done by now, you know? But they kind of have their own mind. It's weird. So, uh, I keep getting these calls about, about it from our manager and stuff. And, <laughs> Do you know? And I'm like, I have no idea. Don't ask me. So, Are anything different we can expect from that, or themes you're starting to see as you're recording? Yeah, I think the I think it's I'm I'm going for. Um, you know, I'm recording it in my house, and so it has a really honest. Um, I always like to do that in recording, just bring an element of of their uh, sound into it and if I don't feel that then I then I'm not quite satisfied so you know I think that may be a continuation of, of the last hopefully um, but the songs are uh, I think the writing is a, is a little bit different I don't know we'll, we'll see <laughs> now That was Gregory Allen Isakoff. Check him out at gregoryallenisakoff.com. Listening to Ford and Lapitan. The song is Too Much MIDI, Please Forgive Me. It's playing right now on Relevant FM. You can never have too much MIDI. I was just going to say, that's not something you really need to apologize for. You just, just have less MIDI. Yeah. You know, frankly, you don't need to make the song with so much MIDI. More cowbell, less MIDI. Exactly. <laughs> Theme for life. 
Uh, Project AK-47 rescues child soldiers in Southeast Asia in Latin America. They exist with the belief that an AK-47 should never be in the hands of a child. This project, implemented by Just Projects International, is not merely an awareness campaign, although awareness is the critical first step. Rescuing child soldiers and caring for them in safe homes is the core of what they do. Tyler Ward is the grassroots coordinator for Project AK-47. Our very own Elise Gilligan recently spoke to him. Here's part of that interview. Something that's curious, I think, is the most shocking thing to people um, when they hear about child soldier uh, situations is just that children generally there aren't inclined to have this men- mentality required of a soldier, um, especially when it comes to violence. So could you give us a little bit of insight as to how they are indoctrinated to think in these ways? The, uh, we deal with a lot of kids coming off of, uh, coming off of drugs, uh, obviously in, in the province we work in. Uh, which is similar to the case in Africa that we all kind of know about with Joseph Coney and uh, bring them in and, and uh, build them up on drugs and essentially brainwashes them. Uh, and we, we do see cases like that. We Probably about 50% of the kids that we pull out of, negotiate out of the militias, are, uh, do have to go through some form of drug rehab uh, where we have to wean them off of their drug addiction. Uh, so we know that they're being used uh, drugs are being used uh, to brainwash and to manipulate these kids uh, into, into being soldiers. The other thing is just, obviously, I mean, th- there's a culture that's built in to this part of the world that we've noticed, uh, where obviously the innocence is taken from the kid, but it's, it, it's very much just a, uh, it's become a very viable option in, in this part of the world for parents to, to either sell their kids or... Uh, give their kids to the local militias. In a lot of cases that we've seen, it really hasn't taken uh, uh, addiction to drugs or um, anything as, as intense as that to manipulate kids. It's very much, in many in many areas we work in, it's just a viable option. It, it's become a part of their culture. It's become a norm, which is really the most tragic thing. I mean, when we have to deal with kids who are being rehabbed off of drugs and they've been They've been brainwashed through that route. Obviously, it's tragic, but when it becomes a culture for the larger society that these kids are living in, uh, that's where we begin to really, to really want to invest. And what is it organizations like yours do to deprogram the children after you've rescued them? Yeah, that's a great question. We we it, we operate case by case, so we do have programs, um, but we are we are very much tailored. We hire national staff wherever we are uh, that um, grew up in country that know the language uh, that can that can easily and culturally empathize with these kids. So it's very much a relational process for us. We train our people in certain ways of rehabs and certain programs. Uh, but it's very much case to case. I mean, we, we have kids that have been in the Army a month. We have kids that we've rescued that actually have never been in uh, armed conflict situations. They just are at risk of it. Uh, and we have kids that have been in, in militias and, and, and national militaries for years. And so it, it's very much a case by case, a very relational approach to rehab that we have. Mm-hmm. 
Is there a particular story that sticks out in your mind, um, maybe even about a certain child or incident, um, that just kind of summarizes the work that Project AK-47 is doing? I think the, one of the most recent uh, stories actually comes from Mexico, and it's a kid named Alberto. But Alberto was, was a classic kid we're pulling out of the cartel, who is by every, every sense of the word an absolute criminal from a very young age, you know, he made the choice because of an addiction he had to drugs. He made the choice to, to join the cartel. Just the way he was manipulated uh, when he joined, he was he was forced to be a, a basically just a relay guy. They gave him a walkie-talkie, put him in a room, and essentially he was uh, a room at the corner of this intersection. He was taught to see certain things, and he would simply just relay what was happening at the corner of this intersection. And his, the manipulation involved with that was that uh, they promised him drugs and uh, promised him all kinds of things if he just stayed true to this responsibility. With this particular kid, they, uh, Alberto, they brought someone into this room early on in his process with a blanket over his head uh, and just shot someone right in front of him. Uh, a few weeks later, they, they said, hey, for your promotion, you come down to this house down the road. He, uh, he then went to the house and where they, uh, the cartel members were all dressed in Felicia uniforms uh, and wearing masks at an extremely traumatizing event. I mean, Alberto at the time was 12 years old, but uh, they brought two kids his age in who had recently tried to get out of the cartel or, or did something. I'm not entirely sure what they did, but brought two kids in and... and uh, shot him just in cold blood right in front of Alberto uh, as a way of just keeping him entrenched within, you know, his responsibility. Uh, so as he grew, I mean, there, there are more details to the story, but as he grew, he he uh, he obviously got involved with some of the criminal activity. And he's only 14 now, so he was involved for two years, has told us things that you just couldn't imagine. Uh, and so Alberto came and was connected to someone within our network of relationship was able to be enrolled into our rehab and still currently it's, it's a very uh, risky situation because a couple weeks ago we actually there, there's three rehabs within the city we work in uh, and they're not all working with kids from the cartel but just rehabs in general where there's affiliations to the cartel and one of those rehabs was completely blown up everyone in it was killed uh, just recently and so it's a very it's a very high-risk situation, even now that he's within our, within our protection. Do you know how many kids you've been able to rescue and rehabilitate? Absolutely, yeah. We, we've rescued over 500 kids in Southeast Asia. We started our projects in 98, so that's really over a period of 12 years, which obviously every case is different. It, it really, when we step back and look at how much energy and, and time and we put into it, it doesn't seem like much, but we are, we are building our programs to be able to expand that number uh, exponentially, our hopes. And then in our other projects, you know, in the Philippines, we, we actually have 40 kids that we, we launched our project last year and we've been able to bring, uh, to get 40 kids out of the it's actually religious issues there, so they're being trained as extreme uh, Muslims, jihad. Uh, we've been able to rescue four, 40 kids out of there so far, and then we just got our first three out of Mexico. 
so it's a fairly new project. That was Tyler Ward of Project AK-47. Find out how you can get involved at projectak47.com. Yeah, I've come to know the wish list of my father. I've come to know the shipwrecks where he wished. I've come to wish aloud among the overdressed crowd. Come to witness now the sinking of the ship. Throwing pennies from the sea top next to it. And I've come to roam the forest past the village. You're listening to Joe Pug. Song is hymn number 101. It's playing right now on Relevant FM, and this song will actually be featured on the upcoming uh, Relevant Studio Collection album that subscribers get for free. Chad has uh, put together a pretty amazing lineup for this next album. There's some great artists on there. Bonavir, might have heard of them. Might have heard of them. Sunlux, perhaps Box Rebellion. Box Rebellion. Uh, Joe Pug. Joe Pug. Gregory Allen Isakoff is on really? there. Really? Yep. Wow. Leagues. We had Thad Cockerell on. Really? Yeah. Uh, Paper Tongues. They had Are that you huge serious? song Trinity. Oh, Cameron's like, what? Yep. They're on I mean, there. this is like lot. Uh, this is a better Lollapalooza lineup. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And the, a brand new Gunger song off their upcoming album that no one's heard yet. Nice. Yeah. Solid. So if you want to get that amazing collection of music for free, subscribe to Relevant. You get four albums like that every year. It's pretty awesome. Relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. <laughs> It's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you to tell us your strangest discount department store or movie theater experience. I'm not even going to tell you why that's the question. So you'll have to go back and listen to that podcast. There were several reasons why we wanted to hear these stories from you. You went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com, posted your replies there. Here's a few of our favorites. Uh, Doug Harsh uh, tells this story. He says, Walmart, yes. One day me, my wife, and our children chose Walmart as our shopping destination for some unremembered, obviously ridiculous reason. Anyway, halfway through our shopping trip and in approximately the center of the store, we became acutely aware of what I can only describe as the most ungodly smell that I've had the displeasure to encounter. Skunk. I mean, this was one unashamed, dastardly smell. People were actually holding their faces as they ran toward the exit. This, dead this dead is a skunk. Frenzy. It literally made you want to cry and vomit at the same time. Been there. I swear for a moment, I actually thought, could this be a terrorist attack? <laughs> Drop and roll, people. <laughs> Drop and roll. Of course, we gathered and ran in the opposite direction of the stink. Later, still overwhelmed by the acute nature of this unknown smell, I asked my wife, what in the world do you think that could have been? To which she replied, probably B.O. My friends, I've smelled B.O., and that was no B.O., not even close. Okay, perhaps if some evil scientist had refined the essence of B.O. and magnified it like a hundred times, then maybe. I thought perhaps it was a stink bomb, but no evidence could support that theory either. So, still an unsolved mystery of the Walmart. Okay, so the Walmart in their athletic section has a hunting aisle, mm-hmm. and they sell bottles of deer pee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going with a what? spilled bottle of deer pee. Yeah. yeah. That's in there? Yeah. To mask yeah. your scent as you're hunting to so attract other deer. You, you cover yourself in deer pee. But okay. how how pungent is it? <laughs> That's true. It, it actually yeah. is pretty pungent. It, it really is. It's concentrated yeah. deer pee. It's pretty gross. <laughs> I'm going with deer pee if they were, if they were near there. <laughs> Otherwise, B.O. Mm. I Crow uh, wrote in 
said, as for annoying movie-going people, those people who clap after movies are over, really people, they cannot hear you. J.J. Reddick, J.J. Reddick of the Orlando Magic on Friday night went on a Twitter rant about this very thing because he and his wife saw The Help, and at the end of The Help, people started applauding, like clapping and stuff. And he was like, the director can't hear you, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, I don't think that people think that the director can hear him. They're just, they were moved yeah. and they trying to respond to say that was very do you, meaningful. Do you think people... Well, it's like at Sundance. Well, I guess the director's in the audience there. Right. Do you think people like will finish our podcast ever and then just sort of burst into applause. Like they're on the slow treadmill. Clap. I, I think it's a slow I would clap. appreciate that. They're on the treadmill and yeah. they just burst into applause. Just know, I, see, we don't have to be there. We just no. have to know it's happening. Yeah. When I finish yeah. editing, I just burst into applause. At my you, class. you do? <laughs> yeah. I slow clap. I, I've started clapping at the end of a trailer before. Just uh, <laughs> Or just yell, I'm seeing that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the director can't hear you, but it's still worth saying. Yeah, oh, just yeah. just because you you know you know everyone in the theater you you know you have like an uh, an audience. That's a great thing about a movie theater is if you're the guy that yells something at any point, whether they like it or not, everyone's going to hear you. Absolutely. This is a movie one actually. Jeff Payne was at the premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean, so it's premiere. So I'm guessing it was a little rowdier than normal. Um, and one of the, uh, of of his sister's friends started shouting Marco. Before the movie started, this was by the third Marco. Everyone in the theater yelled back, "Polo!" That's awesome. Then he abruptly shouted, "Lewis!" But only got a handful of Clarks in return. Just <laughs> <laughs> last and and Jeff is also an Eagle Scout. Um, uh, and he said that he falls into the category of not knowing some of the skills from back in the day, like how to identify trees, which I wasn't even aware was one of the skills, and knowing some of the knots. But he does remember important safety tips. Hmm. So, uh, David Renault, uh, he 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 wrote in, and yet again, I'm being corrected by my incorrect memory. He said he was a Royal Ranger, and what I was saying last week was the motto, not the pledge. Oh. oh. He said the actual pledge was, with God's help, I will do my best to serve God, my church, and my fellow man, to live by the ranger code, and to make the golden rule my daily rule. That was the pledge. I remember that. That's so after the American flag, you would do that. Right, right, right. No, no, et cetera in that one. Uh, no, he said the motto was what I said, and it actually, but you weren't pledging yourself to et cetera. It was just the mm. motto of the Royal Rangers. I like that. I prefer that you do that. Does that make you feel better after all these years? Well, you know, I was nine. The story was funnier until David ruined it. Yeah, yeah with yeah. reality. With reality. Thanks, David. <laughs> Basically. Ruined it. Like, all Blues. royal rangers ruin everything. <laughs> As an adult, yeah. he's still doing the same <laughs> stuff. You know what I call royal rangers? Fun police. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hannah Schrarer uh, wrote in. She has a story here and stuff. From the Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Schrarer. I mean, okay, uh, she's she's written it before. I've never learned how to say her name. It's S C H R O E R. Schrarer. Right. I'm a hundred percent confident that's not how you say it. <laughs> uh, well, then she needs to spell it phonetically. <laughs> okay. I'm so just she wrote in a story, and you guys can read it, or whatever. But but she thought of this. If we're telling movie theater stories, she she thinks Jesse should share his Toggy Bar. It's story. been quite a few years. I think you should share. Oh, it, is, is it has enough time passed? I don't think I've heard this, Jesse. So I think enough time has passed. <laughs> well, I hope I can replicate um, the details of the story. But it was, <laughs> I was at a movie, and I want to say it was something awesome, and there was a lot of people there. I think it was like Die Hard. Or no, it wasn't. You were an intern here. 
Yeah, yeah, Live Free, Die Hard. I think that was out then. Yeah. Was it? Okay, all right. All right. I don't know. It, all, okay, it was an awesome <laughs> movie uh, because those uh-huh. are the type of movies I like to go to. And uh, so the, the movie theater is real packed. And it's like before, I want to say it was before even, the, a lot of people were there because it was a, a big opening night. And it was before the trailers even started. Right. And so they had like, <laughs> you know, there wasn't a lot of like noise or anything. And everyone's kind of getting quiet, getting ready. And this little cart pushes in. <laughs> and it, it, all you hear is like the squeaky wheels of the cart, you know. And everyone at the theater looks over. And it's like this guy, and he's got this little cart with candy bars on him. <laughs> and, and he's real awkward. And he's, and he's talking like really unsure of himself. Like he didn't want to be in there selling the candy bars. It, well, he's remember the context. He's a theater employee. Okay. They were selling these candy bars. To I just raise pictured a random dude. Money for charity. Yeah, he works there. Yeah. But you could tell they're like, hey, you're on candy bar duty tonight. And he's like, oh, man. Right. And so he's like, so he comes in there. He's like, um, I got these uh, candy bars here. They're called Toggy Bars. Um, they're made with chocolate from Europe. Uh, every Toggy's a dollar. It goes to the school. Um, it's European chocolate. Does anyone want a Toggy? And it's silence. And everyone in there is feeling real weird. Like, like you're kind of thinking, should I buy one of these? This guy, you know. And then he, he stops from it. And it's clear that no one wants one of these weird candy bars. And he's like... Uh, Takis are a dollar, and they're made with European chocolates. And then it's just silence again. And then, like, right at the pinnacle of awkwardness, because everyone, it's like that that awkward feeling, like, where you're anxious. He just starts to, like, kind of back away, and, like, like he's leaving. And right before he leaves, some guy goes, I'll have a Toggy! <laughs> and this one guy gets up, walks over, pays him his dollar, and buys a candy bar. And it kind of alleviated the awkwardness, but it kind of made it more weird. Because like, everyone oh. watches the guy stand up, get out of his seat, and go buy one of these Toggy bars from this guy. Was this at the beginning of the, beginning of the movie, or was this still during the trailers? It was no, before. No, this was for okay. the trail. Right. During the 20 year oh, okay, whatever right, 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 right. But I remember after we told that in the first podcast, people sent us in the mail Toggy bars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the European chocolate was actually pretty good. It's well worth a dollar. Yeah. I did not purchase one, but. I have a Toggy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the European chocolates, uh, they cost a dollar. <laughs> Does anybody want a toggy? <laughs> and, and just silence. Not even no. Nothing. Just nothing. And then it's right when he's about to leave. It's like finally the awkwardness is over. That's when the guy goes, I'll have a toggy. <laughs> what the devil is a toggy bar? <laughs> and yeah, the way the guy said it, as if he's familiar, yeah. as if he was saying, yeah, I'll have a Snickers. Like everyone knows what a toggy bar is. The best thing is he was sitting, he was sitting here the whole time going, is it, do I want yeah. this? Yeah, is that guy yeah, contemplating the doggy bar this whole awkward doggy. time? And then, like I said, he just stands up and everyone looks at him, stands up, walks him over, watches the transaction take place, watches him go back to the seat. The guy wheels the cart away. It was just like a surreally awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Okay. All right. That'll do it for your feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, uh, normally we try to link the question of the week with something that happened on the podcast. Uh, Not this time. We're we're linking it with something that's happening in the world. Uh, Right now, it's kind of wrapping up summer. Mm. Um, Colleges started back uh, this week. A lot of them. Do you remember when you used to get summers off? I never had summers off. I had to work every summer. Really? Yeah, and my parents. But you didn't do school. 
Yeah, but I never had like a summer vacation. Like even like at eight years old, I had to like work in the summers and stuff. There's labor laws about that. Yeah. <laughs> that was I, illegally. I read yeah. a slice. I read when I was looking for a slice. I read a story on an 11 year old in Germany this past week. He called the police because his mom was making him do chores around the house. And he, he called <laughs> She's it. She's in prison He called now. it forced labor because he had to pick up his room in the patio area. Oh my goodness. Not funny. Yeah. So anyway, uh, with school starting back, you know, and uh, Labor Day's coming up in a couple weeks, and that's the unofficial end of summer. I got us thinking. What have you done this summer? Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a lot of people travel. A lot of people have done, you know, uh, social justice trips. A lot of people have had crazy internships or other things have happened. So we just want to hear your summer stories, your best summer story. Um, I'm hoping at least one of them involves something hilarious that happens at a water park. <laughs> That's what you're rooting for. I also saw yeah. that if the word wedgie does not enter into your story, don't bother submitting. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, wanna... wedgie or. You know, I've heard of a couple different stories about a wave pool being cleared out pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> by a terrible smell from Walmart. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. Well, it could have originated. The terrible smell could have originated at Walmart, but a person transported it to that wave <laughs> to pool. To the wave pool. Um, so we want to hear your best summer story of the summer of 2011. And you know what? If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had your best summer story yet, get out there. Go have one. Oh. Live life. I feel like you're talking to me. It's short. My summer's been pretty boring. Life is short. Yeah. So go live life. Pursue your dreams. (laughs) Makes me want to get on a sailboat for some reason. And just like sail. Listen to some Yacht Rock. Yeah. Some Michael McDonald. Yacht Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Put your Sperry's on, pop the Michael McDonald in and just go. Okay, I actually want to go do that. This See, weekend. I'm telling That's you. That's a good weekend. Uh, yeah, right it is a good weekend. Uh, so write in. Tell us your, your best summer stories for the summer of 2011. Uh, go to the podcast episode page over at relevantmagazine.com, and you can post your replies there. We're going to read our favorites on the podcast next week. If you want to call in, email us at podcast at relevantmagazine.com, and we will uh, try and work that out. On that note, we'll wrap it up. Many thanks to Gregory Allen Isaacoff for talking to us. Check out his latest album, This Empty Northern Hemisphere, at his website, gregoryallenisaacoff.com. And thanks to Tyler Ward uh, from Project AK-47 uh, for talking to us. You can find out more at projectak47.com. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Josh Luan Loveless. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. I'll have a doggy.